0: Colossians chapter 1, the gospel is at work, if we're followers of Jesus, the gospel is at work in us, it's at work around us, and it's at work throughout our world. In fact, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, that the gates of hell... um, will try to destroy Christ's church, but not even the gates of hell will destroy His church. As we look at the work of the gospel in us, around us, throughout our world, there's a danger that we can also be blinded to the work of the gospel. And we can be blinded to the work of the gospel in, in, in two different ways, I think. The first way that we can easily become blinded to the gospel is through complacency. That the routines of life and the cares of this world drowned out our sensitivity to the work of the gospel. Have you ever had that, felt that in your own life? I know I have. It, it, uh, the, the cares of this world, the routines of life can... Make us lose our sensitivity uh, of the work of the gospel both in our own hearts and in the hearts of other people. And there's a second way that the work of the gospel can be blinded in our understanding. Not just through complacency in our own hearts, but I think number two, through isolationism. That when we become isolated as people, our world starts to consist of a small circle of what we can see, feel, touch, and we can go on. That becomes our world. Our world is simply what affects us. So we lose the reality that the gospel is at work beyond the realm that affects us personally. In fact, that can happen to churches. That whether there are issues going on in the church, or whether there becomes a mindset of of self in the church, that everything revolves around thoughts, opinions, um, what we want to do, and we lose sight of why the church is gathered. Because we are gathered as God's people to be his witnesses. Individuals and churches can develop this sense of isolationism, that it is simply about our small world. Well, I had the privilege a couple weeks ago of once again being reminded of the global work of the gospel. The gospel's a global work. The gospel's not an American gospel. It's a global gospel. And it was really a privilege to be able to minister and, be, and, and just to be reminded as, a, as an individual but also as a pastor that this work of the gospel is global. And the gospel is at work even in a setting that is much different than our own. In fact, I have a few uh, throughout this message, I'm going to um, be, be showing some pictures, and this is kind of a slurman, sermon, not a slurman, a sermon, that, that's when you can't understand it because I'm slurring a lot, a sermon uh, plus a, a missions report, um, last, last year I, I did the missions report and sermon in two weeks, so that, today I'm doing it all in one, so uh, we'll see how it goes. But I just have a few random pictures that, that, I, that I took just to show you the world that the gospel is working in that is so much different than our own. Uh, here's just two uh, random pictures um, that, that I took. The streets of, of Ghana. Uh, we were going from the capital city of Accra uh, we, we flew, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that, uh, we flew to a more remote area in Ghana, and then we had to drive two more hours to an even more remote area uh, in Ghana. Um, so this was the drive to the, the, the site where we would be ministering for the week. Um, and you can just see, looking out the windows, uh, th- this was taken in a taxi, so I'm trying to kind of like nonchalantly take a picture because I was the one in the front seat. Uh, next to the taxi driver. Um, So, a very different setting, a very different world. In fact, typical of of what you see in or think of in African culture, uh, Tim and I uh, did not see much of this in in Ethiopia, but in Ghana, it's everywhere. Uh, The next picture, you have the typical image of the individual astonishingly carrying this box on her head, and she's walking as we would walk. And I don't know what's in there. I tried to zoom in. It's not a drink. It looks like a drink. It almost looked like some type of a pudding or something. And, and, and uh, people would be just carrying large amounts of things on their heads. And then uh, another, another uh, picture. Don't uh, Can we go back real quick? Um, uh, this next picture, I just wanted to get a quick video of the street scene that we were going through. But again, you'll see the bottom part of the, do- uh, of the, uh, the top part of the door, um, because again, I'm in the front seat next to the driver, and I didn't want to look too much of it like a tourist. Uh, and there's these huge speed bumps on their roads um, that you'll see the whole car, the video rocking back and forth. It was either the huge speedboats or craters in the road. Uh, but let's go ahead, and, and just to give you an idea of the scenery uh, where we were at. So different marketplaces. Uh, you'll see some random animals going by. There's one of the speed bumps. A village... So you see these small huts where they sell random things. And then you see all of the uh, palm trees and, uh, well, not right there. You see different palm trees there in the more tropical uh, area climate. So that's just kind of a quick road scene view. Um, I was still kind of surprised being outside of our own culture, though not as much as last year, having been to uh, to Ethiopia, but this is a setting much different than our own. But it's the common gospel at work. Uh, there were very poor areas of, of Ghana um, and, and where we ministered, uh, but there were also very beautiful areas. I have a few pictures here just to show you uh, just the beauty of the Esiyama area where there's uh, uh, the beach. At the, uh, the Gulf of Ghana, um, we actually, the place that we stayed um, was within walking distance to this beach. Um, so th- these are some different scenes that, that, that uh, I caught. The, the one on the far left is just a, a field just full of palm trees. Um, uh, that was taken uh, in our cab ride. Uh, the other two are, are taken at the beach uh, in the proximity of the place that we stayed. Uh, if we go to the next slide, this is my favorite picture, beach picture. That's, that was the view that we had. Uh, and you can just see kind of the, the mist and the, the humidity that is there. Uh, I'm used to humidity from Florida, but not quite like this. Uh, but that was just one of the most uh, beautiful pictures um, that we... Uh, th- that I had of the, just of the, of the beach area. But as we continue, I, I am excited to present to you some highlights and details about uh, my ministry opportunity in Ghana. And the way we're going to do this, as I mentioned earlier, is we'll, I want to connect it to our Scripture passage this morning. And the reason why I want to do this is so that we can see how God's Word plays itself out in real everyday life. Sometimes it's easy to open our Bible at church and and, and to go through a passage of Scripture, and yet it's disconnected from life. But I want us to see how God's Word and everyday life are intricately woven together. Because the Gospel is indeed, it's near us. The work of the Gospel is near us. It is around us. It is in us. But it's also at work in faraway places. So, this morning, what we're going to look at from Colossians 1, verses 1 to 8, are three aspects of the work of the gospel the near work of the gospel, the far work of the gospel. And then the simultaneous work of the Gospel. That the Gospel at one and the same time is working both near, both within, and far away. And I pray that today your heart would be encouraged to be reminded that how the Gospel, which is the message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for sinners. I want us to be encouraged how this Gospel impacts us. It impacts those around us, and it impacts those in places far away. I also want to, as a church, as we gather together this morning, I want you to see also that the opportunity that, yes, I went to Ghana, but this was an opportunity that our church was able to have in impacting 50-plus Ghanaian pastors and Ivory Coast refugees for the sake of Christ's kingdom. You had a part in this work as well, through financial support, through prayers, as a church family and sending me out. Um, you'll see the next picture here. Here is a group of the people that we, as a church body, were able to minister to that we, this week, or that two weeks ago. Now it's kind of like where's Waldo to find myself and the other teachers there. Um, But we are going to look at Colossians chapter 1. And this is the main theme of today's sermon and today's presentation. It's a simple one. And it's this. We each have a part to play in the work of the Gospel. If you are a believer and you're connected to this local church or another local church, There, it is without exception that you have a part to play in the work of the Gospel. Whether that's the near work of the Gospel or that's the far away work of the Gospel. We each have a part to play. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that You would take this time this morning. And Lord, would it be informative and and interesting as to uh, what happened and the behind the scenes, behind the the teaching week in Ghana. But Lord, more importantly, would this be life-impacting that we would see, not through pictures, but through Your Word, that we each have a part to play in the work of the Gospel. It's a stewardship that You've given each and every one of us. And Lord, would we take it seriously? And would we also go joyfully? Lord, because this message is unlike any other message. It is the message of hope and peace and joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to first look at the near work of the gospel. That the gospel is at work in our very midst and in our very hearts. This near work of the gospel is sourced in God himself. He is the source of this gospel message. In, in verses 1 and 2, uh, look at what it says. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So as Paul opens up this, this letter to the Colossian church, he starts with the source of all things, God Himself. It is by God's will that Paul is an apostle. It is at God's will that, that, that he has called Timothy to be in the work of ministry with not only Paul, but with the saints. And it is in the context of community that God has done this work to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. This is a very present work of the Gospel. In fact, it is the work of the Gospel that has brought us together this morning. It is not somehow that we are gathered together because we all have some common interest or some common hobby. It's the work of the gospel. It is the work of God in our hearts that has drawn us to himself and that we are now gathered together as his worshipers, as a church family. This near work of the gospel that we can see both within us and around us, it is grounded in grace and peace. Look at the end of verse 2. How does Paul greet the Colossian brothers and sisters? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. What a glorious message of hope. Because of God's work through His Son Jesus, if you are a believer in Christ today, you are a follower of Jesus, your life, whether you feel it or not, is grounded in grace and peace. I didn't say that your feelings are grounded in grace and peace because our feelings fluctuate every day. But your anchor in life is grounded, because it's grounded in Christ, it is grounded in grace and peace. In fact, Romans 5, verses 1-2 to says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. This is a present day grace, folks. We are currently standing in the grace that has been provided us through Jesus. We are living every day in and out of this grace. And it says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, folks, when the reality of God's peace and God's grace has been extended to sinners such as us, that is what makes the reality of rejoicing and hoping in the glory of God something of substance in our lives. This near work of the gospel that is within our hearts and that we see around us. It is sourced in God Himself. It is grounded in grace and peace. And it is, this text tells us, evidenced by faith and love. In verse 3, Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. The reality of the peace and the grace in which we stand is then evidenced in faith and love. This isn't faith for the sake of faith, this is faith in the right object. That object is Jesus Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. You see, it's not the strength of our faith that matters. It is then the object of our faith. Someone can believe really, really strongly in the wrong thing, can't they? And the faith is worth nothing. The object of our faith is what matters. And as God is doing a work in our hearts, that then also produces a love for all the saints. A love for one another. And Paul is saying, Colossian church, I don't even personally know you yet, but this is what I am seeing. And then we keep reading in verse 5, it says, because of the hope, so He's heard of their faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that they have for all the saints. Why is this faith and love being so manifested? Verse 5, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You see, folks, I think a lot of times in our Christian life and as we look at, at what does the gospel mean to us as individuals, Sometimes in the Christian life we get this sense that I just need to somehow produce within myself as if I could snap my fingers and produce this faith that is, that is sourced in God, this daily faith, and produce this, this hope and this joy and this love. But Paul here says, no, the reason why you're manifesting these fruits is because not of yourself, but because you realize the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. You realize what Jesus has done for you, and what is in store for you as a follower of Him. Folks, maybe that's the reason why we have become, as I talked about, fallen into the first of those two traps, complacency. Because we have forgotten verse 5 and we are trying to make verse 4 happen outside of the context of where our hope is. It is because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. As tantalizing as earthly riches are, and as much as we want to live comfortably, it is only that hope that's stored up in in the bank of heaven that is completely secure. Matthew 6.19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Folks, those types of riches are here today and gone tomorrow. It is the hope of the Gospel that cannot be taken away. And this is a hope that has been given to us. We haven't even earned it. Most of the money in our bank account, we have earned, correct? Maybe, maybe you're in retirement today, and, and for your whole life, you've, you've earned and saved for retirement, or, or wherever you're at in life, you're earning a paycheck. Listen, the riches of heaven? The riches of heaven and the hope that gives us fuel, according to verse 5, this is a hope that has been given to us. It's not a hope that somehow we have earned. And then also, it is a hope which is true. Because of the hope laid up for this uh, for you in heaven, of this you heard before, In the word of the truth, which is the gospel. This isn't too good to be true, folks. Christ has loved us at our worst. He has brought us to God. And we have been given the riches of the inheritance of being in God's family. This is the truth of the gospel. This hope, through no doing of ourselves, has come to us. At the beginning of verse 6, it says, which has come to you. Folks, that's the near work of the Gospel. It's like what Ephesians 2 says. We were once far off, but we have been brought near. Folks, every day of your life, through the routines of your life, through the challenges of your life, through the ups of your life, through the downs in your life, these truths that we are reading in verses 1-6 to 6 hold true regardless. Why? Because your hope is not stored up for you in a bank or in circumstances or in yourself or in your feelings. The hope of the gospel is stored up, secure in heaven. Amen? This hope has come to us. Someone delivered to you the Gospel. And we know from Scripture that we in turn are called to minister the Gospel to others. In fact, didn't Jesus say that in Matthew 9? Matthew 9 it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, He had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Folks, that's our responsibility as a church that we are equipping one another to go out into the harvest of Tioga County, that we are praying God even from our midst send forth others to gain a harvest where the church as a whole cannot go. That's the heartbeat of the New Testament church. And it was a privilege to be able to go where we could not all go and the adventure started in the airport of, Ro- of Rochester and I included two pictures saying goodbye to the family um, as uh, they dropped me off and uh, Rachel's, Rachel's sister was coming and uh, uh, they were actually picking her up at the same time that I was leaving so it worked out quite nicely Next slide, you'll see three of the four guys on our, on our team. You'll see our supported missionary Mike, uh, Mike Rudolph here uh, making an interesting face in the, in the picture. Um, then, then another guy, Scott. Um, he was a pastor for about 25 years. Uh, and then myself, one, our, the fourth member, um, he had to fly separately because of uh, work obligations. Uh, but the next slide, you'll see uh, all of our team. It was a, a team of four guys. we were a little under, understaffed. Um, if one of us got sick, then, then it would throw a kink in things because we had just enough teachers for each class. Uh, I know usually uh, they like to travel with, with five or six guys, uh, but that was all of our team. Pretty motley looking crew, huh? Um, that was taken right outside of Scott's classroom, the guy that was, uh, that was right next to me. And we had the privilege of ministering, of answering the call in this instance of going out into the harvest to strengthen and equip pastors and church leaders who have a wonderful zeal for the Lord, but may be lacking in their Bible understanding to match that zeal. So I want to transition at this point from looking at this near work of the Gospel that we see in verses 1 to to the beginning of verse 6, transitioning to look at the work of the Gospel in places far away from us. Because even Paul, as he's writing to Colossae, was far away from them. There is a far work of the Gospel that we cannot see. And even when we we, we read news headlines or watch the news, and, and it seems that, man, things are just getting worse and worse and worse. Mark it down. The headlines that you need to keep yourself in check are the headlines that those things circumstantially seem really askew. The work of the Gospel is no less effective today than it was in the first century. How do we know this? Paul writes about this hope laid up for heaven in the word of the truth, the gospel. Verse 6, which has come to you, and he doesn't just stop there, as indeed in the whole world. The whole world. You see, folks, the gospel is a universal gospel. What I mean by that is not universalism, that somehow uh, everyone is a child of God. doesn't matter what you believe, that we're just all universally, um, we're all okay. We're all God's children. I'm not talking about universal in that sense. I'm talking about the message of the gospel is a message of, for everyone in every area. And we have the privilege that this same gospel that has come to us is a gospel that all people need and that we are stewarded with. You see, the gospel knows no cultural, no racial, no national, no economic boundaries. It's not just for people like us. Again, in this ministry trip, I was again, I was, I was able to be reminded of the vastness of this world. We went from uh, I went from flying out of, of Rochester um, to making a quick stop at Detroit, where I met, I, I caught up with the other guys, and then we flew to Amsterdam. I, I took a picture of the to show you of the Amsterdam airport just because it, it's so cool. It, I've never been uh, I've never been to Europe, uh, so so this airport trip is, is my my uh, claim to Europe. Uh, and it looked very European. Imagine that it was a really cool airport in Amsterdam. We were there for a couple hours during a layover. Um, and then we went from Amsterdam to flying into. Uh, the capital city of Ghana, which is Accra, and this was just a random picture uh, of the uh, baggage claim uh, for myself personally, I was so overjoyed that my luggage did not get lost. I took a picture of my suitcase as I saw it, um, just praising the Lord um, with that many stops uh, before we got to Accra um, but but that 's just a a, a picture everyone waiting for their luggage in the capital city of Ghana, to then we stayed overnight in the capital city, which, which um, uh, all of the wealth of Ghana is, is in Accra. I mean, Accra is, is a pretty decent city. When you get out of Accra, you, uh, you see the, uh, the, the vast poverty. Uh, we stayed overnight in the, in the capital city, um, and then in the morning, we had to take uh, what I was most fearful of, a domestic flight uh, to, a, to a different part of, uh, uh, of Ghana, um, a town called um, Takarati. Um, so this was the plane that we flew on. The, fl- the, the flight company was called Africa World. Um, and uh, I took a picture, if you want to go to the next slide, an, an aerial picture of uh, leaving Accra uh, so the landscape looks a little bit different than what we're used to, um, but that is actually, like, nice. Um, as, you, as you leave uh, the capital city, um, the, the big buildings and there's some big houses and things like that, that, that is no more. Um, so we flew to uh, Takarati, and the next slide is... Uh, A picture, again, of a... uh, I I was sitting in the back this time, um, and this was my taxi uh, to the church that I spoke at Sunday morning. Um, And you can kind of see the dirt roads. I'll show you a picture uh, of that later. But again, the Gospel at work in a very different location and culture and area that I, than I was familiar with. And what a joy it was to be able to say, to have that common sense that Lord, I am out of my comfort zone. I don't, I, I don't I, you know, even the people, uh, English is, the, is the, the main language of Ghana, um, but there's not a whole lot of people that speak it real well, so like the taxi drivers, it's hard to communicate. But yet knowing why we were there, and, it, and the mission did not change being across the world from being right here in the comfort of, of where I live and my church family. In fact, um, I don't want to deviate, take too much time on this because I still have some more things to show you and to look at the text. But I was a little surprised because there were, there were still three of us at this point. Um, Greg, our fourth guy, didn't get uh, to us till Tuesday. So all three of us were going to preach at local churches, and all three of us were going to different locations. And I was kind of freaked out by that. I was like, so my cell phone doesn't work unless I have Wi-Fi, and there's no um, Wi-Fi going through here, and I have no idea where I'm going, and I don't think the taxi driver does either, And, and Mike gave me... Uh, hey, uh, Maxwell, who I'll show you a picture of him, the, the, the national coordinator for us. Uh, Maxwell gave me, this is the number of the pastor that is at the church. If there's a problem finding the location, give this to, the, to your taxi driver and he can call. I'm like, that is not a lot of security. And, and, and the paper said 20-minute drive. And so um, we started going. And, and I'll, I'll show you in a bit some of the pictures of the roads um, that were awful, the dirt roads, and, and many of them because of the flooding that had just been there. Um, we just kept going and going and going. We were passing village after village after village, and, and I'm starting to freak out a little bit in the inside. Um, you know, I'm good at not showing stress, but I was feeling it. And eventually it got to the point where even in the broken English, I was like, are we almost there? He's like, yeah, 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 a few more villages, a few more towns. And, and uh, I took a few pictures along the way, but I, I, eventually I just started to get too nervous to even think about that. Um, and uh, well, here, here's one of the pictures I took. Um, this is just a, uh, you know, pretty much a, kind of a shack house. Um, this is actually... Um, the, so- the walls are made of, e- of, e- of uh, either cement or mud, um, so that's actually a lot nicer and a lot bigger than, than other um, housing that, that, that are there in the villages. Um, go to the next picture. Um, that That's one view of one of the villages there. They're just really compact together, and it's like aluminum siding that's just put up together with roofs. Um, I have no clue if there's any running water in these villages or anything. If your windows are down, you do, um, you know, you you, kind of smell the smells of the villages. Um, Just great poverty. But what a blessing it is to know that, 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 that the pastors that we were involved in, in training and ministering, they are serving in these difficult places. Well, we kept going, and, uh, and and the roads were so bad that, that we um, we can go to the next picture. Here's one. I uh, I did not take this picture. I think Mike did. Um, so here's just a road filled with mud, and 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 a huge puddle uh, because fil- that filled the craters of the road. And there's these the little Toyotas. Um, are, are the taxis, these, these, uh, these little cars, and I thought on top of we're lost, and my mind's going through um, all of the kidnap movies when people are in faraway countries, and, and Liam ne- Nelson needs to rescue them, but I don't know Liam Nelson, but I was thinking, this could be me. Um, I was thinking, on top of this, we're going to get stuck, uh, but it did not get stuck, and we kept going until there was such a bad part of the road that there was an excavator digging dirt, and then the other side of the road was, was just like clumps of mud, and the taxi driver got out and was looking around, and, and, uh, and everybody there that's able to, to drive vehicles, the families use dirt bikes ob- for obvious reasons. And uh, the, guy, the taxi driver came back and, and in broken English told me, you are going to to need to get on one of those to keep going. I think it's only the next village. And I'll wait for you here. (laughs) And uh, I'm thinking, uh, okay, before we do that, um, here's the pastor's number. And uh, let's see if at least someone from the church has one of these dirt bikes. And I'm not hopping on a stranger's. And... uh, if we can't do it, then we're just going to go back. How about we do that? Um, so anyway, um, he had gone too far. He didn't know where we were going. Um, so anyway, he said, you are lucky. And I said, no, that's the Lord. (laughs) Um, and, and we found out where we were supposed to go. And with all this travel time, um, I really had to go to the restroom. So the, 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 the guy that was escorting me up, I said, Hey, is there a place to go to the restroom? And of course he laughed a little bit. And, uh, And then he made some announcement in the native language that I took that I had to go to the restroom and then all these ladies were laughing and making jokes. Uh, But he did guard the back of the church as as I used the restroom. (laughs) Um, But the Gospel, my point in showing you all of this is that the Gospel knows no cultural, racial, national, or economic boundaries. And not only that, but you can never limit the effectiveness of the gospel in the world. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The gospel is at work. Even in places that make us nervous, or seems so far out of reach. That is why we are to be praying for laborers to be sent into the harvest. But also the gospel, we can be assured according to our text, it is working beyond what we can see. Verse 6 says that this gospel which has come to us, to you, is indeed has come to the whole world. And not only has it come to the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. So the gospel is not just at work, but it is growing and fruit is coming as people respond to that gospel message. That is the hope and the assurance that we have that until Matthew 24, 14, the end comes, Jesus returns, the gospel is actively at work. Doesn't matter how dark the world is, doesn't matter how complex it gets. The two descriptions of the gospel that we see is the gospel bears fruit, in other words, it's changing lives. And it's increasing. That means it's spreading. It's growing, and I was able to firsthand see this in Ghana. Um, I spoke at a very small church uh, in Ethiopia when Tim and I um, went uh, to one of the local churches in Ethiopia. It was a huge church. Um, this was a uh, the, the, the total opposite. A very small church. You'll see a picture um, of the church there. That's how small it was. And sadly, so many of the churches in Ghana um, are are mostly women and children. The the men, there's there's not the the response. There's not the interest in in, uh, the church. There's not the response to the gospel. And we can be praying for this church. Uh, They're called Seed of Grace Church. Um, There's another picture from a different angle um, that I took. Uh, You see the... The three guys on the left, the three men, and, and I think maybe even the only men, they are the elders of the church. Um, you have the, the one guy that's, that's next to me on the one side and the two other guys. Um, they, were, they were at the, at the uh, training. Another picture, as they were worshiping the Lord, we talk about the hope, the joy of the gospel. Uh, I couldn't help but take this picture of these cute kiddos that were, that were dancing around worshiping. Um, there were no instruments. Uh, some of the songs, they simply did a cappella. Uh, other songs, um, they did a cappella, but included um, a, a drum that they had. Um, we will need audio on this next video. I took like a, a quick 30-second clip um, of of the church during one of the one of their, their uh, songs, just to kind of give you a feel of the worship in the in the villages here. Um, I expect to see Doug do that next week. <laughs> so very different, right? But man, the same gospel at work. The same gospel that they are clinging to. And then I had, I had the privilege of, of preaching. Now, um, they did have a translator um, for, uh, for the church service. Their sermon is done in their, their local village uh, tongue Uh, though many of them do speak English. Um, um, So a guy by the name of Shadrach, I've never known anyone by the name of Shadrach, He he translated for me. And what a privilege it was to be able to preach to this church family. To see the gospel bearing fruit and increasing. Now what happens wherever the gospel bears fruit and increases... Who else is at work? It's Satan, right? And that's why Jesus says that the gates of hell shall not prevail, but the gates of hell will try, right? One of the very first things that I was shocked with in, 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 in uh, our two-hour ri- two ride from, uh, from Takarati, the, the little local airport we flew into, to where we were going to be for the week, Esiama, was how religious the area was. I mean, Christian signs and and, and things everywhere. But unfortunately, it was the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is very prevalent in Africa. Uh, The prosperity gospel is prevalent here in the United States. But everywhere you look, there would be signs, and, and I'm sorry you can't see it really well there, um, the one is kingdom impact, talking about some uh, apostles or prophets. Uh, then the next sign says prophetic dominion. These uh, um, these gatherings that would be had, where you know that the, that the, the 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 gospel is not being proclaimed. And this was literally, I mean, everywhere. Ghana is not a non-religious culture by any means. But Satan is trying to distort the pure message of the gospel. And this is why it was so important and so special that we had the opportunity to be able to train these men of God who wanted to declare the true Word of God. And this leads us not only to see that the gospel is active near, within us, in our midst. And the gospel is also active far away in places that maybe we'll never even see or go. But I also want us to look at the simultaneous work of the gospel, that the gospel at one and the same time is at work, whether that is near or far. Because at the end of verse 6, what does it say? The gospel, it's going to the whole world, it's bearing fruit, it's increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. You see folks, we have received the gospel The same work that we see is happening around the world is happening in our midst. Many times, the work of the Gospel is not happening as prosperous as as we would like. Many times even because of the wealth and and the, the extremes of our society. But the Gospel is indeed at work. God is not limited to a locality. The Gospel is to be bearing fruit and it's increasing in our hearts. And as we cling, as verse 6 says, we cling to the Gospel, hearing it and understanding the grace of God in truth. As we cling to God's grace, as we cling to the message of the Gospel, in its truth, we, we are on guard against Satan, deceiving ourselves with untruth. We find ourselves as stewards of this gospel. And we are called to then pass on the gospel to others. We see an instance of this in verse 7. Epaphras is mentioned. Apaphras was one of their own. He was, he was from the church in Colossae. Paul had never been there, but Epaphras was this steward, this faithful minister that ministered to this church. And Paul says, this work is happening just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. You see, folks, we are called to be an Epaphras. That as we cling to the grace and the truth of God, that we are passing it on. We are passing it on to our children. We are passing it on to our to our. Extended family, we are passing it on to those in our church, we are passing it on to those we are around. How is God calling you to pass on the gospel? So, we look at some of the details of the week. The next picture is just when we first arrived at the teaching site. This was my classroom. Um, where, where I taught. And uh, uh, you see Mike and Scott, they were up there. We just got there. We kind of took a layout of the land, so to speak. Um, this is where I would have opportunity to pass on the truths of the gospel. Another picture, Mike had, uh, sat through a class once our fourth teacher finally came. And uh, there's a picture of my class and of me teaching. Now, when you look at this, this picture... Please don't think college or seminary. In fact, given the right format and the right context, it would be great to go through this material with you all. We're talking about stuff that every Christian should know and how to interpret God's Word. How to interpret different different genres of Scripture to, to be good students of God's Word might not be fitting for a 45-minute core class, but something outside of that, um, that's tucked away in the back of my mind. So don't think that this is way up here stuff because because there's pastors involved. No, this is the type of stuff, that instruction that we have access to every day. And then one of the highlights of the week was when we would do group assignments, just watching the guys. I would get a break for five or ten minutes, and the guys would split up into groups and just hear them kind of talking, hear the, the rumble of conversation in the room, see them thinking and just digging into God's Word, working together on, on the group assignment that we were doing. It was just such a joy to be able to minister God's Word to these brothers and also to be able to, uh, the next picture, had the opportunity to speak every morning. We would start the day in chapel. Uh, this is just one uh, uh, picture. When it was my morning to speak in chapel, we had the whole, uh, all of the, the pastors and church leaders gathered. Uh, we did have a translator for chapel, uh, the lady that you see to your, to your right. Uh, because we had the, the, uh, the Ivory Coast refugees, they spoke French. So that class needed a translator. Um, what was unique to, to Ghana was that we all spoke, we taught in English because everyone there could speak English well enough. Uh, but we did have a translator here. What a joy it was to pass on the gospel, the truths of the gospel. And as we read in verse 8, we. Not only pass on the gospel, but we are called to display the fruit of the gospel. It says, speaking of Epaphras, He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. This harkens back to what we read in verses 4 and 5 where Paul says, man, we haven't even been with you, but we've heard your testimony of your great faith and of the love you have for all the saints. It's a Epaphras that is so enamored as he is ministering the fruit that is being shown that, that he is sharing this great love that comes from the Spirit of God, not within our own fleshly hearts. You see, folks, we are called to show the fruit of the gospel. And there's there's a tension there because we cannot show the fruit of the gospel by by just trying harder, though we all are called to labor, right? Man, the gospel has to be first real and flowing through us for that fruit to be displayed. And man, this week it was a blessing to see all of the examples of individuals that socially speaking or economically speaking, I mean, they're nobodies. They're like what we learned about in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 26-31. It wasn't the strong, it wasn't the noble, but yet God was using them. A few examples I just want to close with showing you. The first picture is with um, the national pastor that, that uh, Training Leaders International and Mike Rudolph work with. Uh, his name is Maxwell. Maxwell, if you were to meet him, he is the quietest guy. In fact, we, we had a meal with Maxwell, and Mike told us, he said, yeah, Maxwell, he's got, he's, he's got a really kind of shy personality. Um, And 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 true to his word, like there would be times during the meal that like it would kind of be just quiet, and you're kind of thinking, what do we come up with to say? It wasn't all like that, and there was good conversation. But Maxwell is a very shy, kind of quiet guy. But man, is God using him! In fact, he has started this foundation called the the hope the. the, uh, the Hope Center, you see the building there where he is doing, he's a believer wanting to offer people the gospel, but is also opening the doors to do all sorts of humanitarian work as a light and a way for the gospel to be displayed and opportunities to be had for sharing the faith. Um, this is the actual, the, in these buildings is where our classrooms were. One of the, one of the areas that, that Maxwell um, is, is being used and, and what he has started and he oversees is a school for children. And the next slide is a few girls that I met during the break uh, on, on uh, your left. Uh, cute little girls that I talked to. The next group, I don't know how, what percentage or how big the school is. Uh, Mike took that picture right before we were leaving Friday um, of many of the students and a few of the teachers there. But man, God is mightily using Maxwell to make an impact for the gospel. Somebody who you would see and you wouldn't think anything about. There was another individual. Uh, these are individuals that were in my class. The first is such a godly older man. His name is Abi. We have the, the next picture, and I'm not sure how old Abi is. I, uh, he told me I think at one point, and he was just sharing with me some of his story. He 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 he's a technically a retired pastor. Um, though he is still at work in, in the local church, I'm not sure all the capacities he's fulfilling. Um, but Abi was telling me his story. And again, a quiet man. Such wisdom when he would make comments in our class. His wife just passed away in February. And, and that really hit him hard. But here he is, still a faithful servant of the Lord. And he's investing in these younger guys. Trying to be a Paul to them. That's what we're called to do, folks. Who can we minister specifically and proactively? Develop relationships and minister to do what 1 Timothy 2 2 talks about, passing on the faith. The next picture is a, fella, a young fellow by the name of John. In fact, he's one of the ones that a bee is, is, is uh, mentoring. And he was just a really neat guy to get to know. Just again, very shy, very quiet. But man, he would ask the best questions. And you could see his heart for the Lord, and he had a tender spirit about him. In fact, even since I've been back, he's written to me asking me a few questions. And then there is another fella that stands out to me. His name is Joseph. Don't you like his uh, cap and his shirt? And Joseph was just a really neat individual. He was just his heart for God's Word. Some of the the comments that he would make in class. And all of these guys, there's a lot to learn. And, And a lot of ways, especially as a pastor, to be grounded in God's Word. But their love for God's Word and their Attentiveness to God's word is what stands out. Similarly, another fellow by the name of Martin, uh, just at at, at the end of the week, um, they gave a a project. They were to take five minutes to talk about a passage um, and how 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 should you see the passage in its context and how does it fit in with the Bible and how is it relevant to us today and to their churches. And just, just a great teacher, preacher in God's Word. Now, he did try to take all my dry erase markers, but <laughs> but just a great guy. And then there's another fella. This, this individual was not in my class. His name is Emmanuel. Basically, if you forgot somebody's name in, in, in this group, you either think Emmanuel or Anthony. Um, There were so many, you'd at least be about 35% chance that you were right. But he's a little guy. I'm only 5'11". I'm not a giant, uh, as you would think in all these pictures. Um, But Emmanuel, he had the joy of the Lord all over his countenance. And listen, you talk about a guy that has no reason to have the joy of the Lord. Uh, His house is one of the houses that was greatly damaged in all the flooding, and, and, and I'm hoping as, uh, as we send out the money, uh, Lord willing, this week to help with flooding victims, his name was one of the ones that came up. I didn't even know he was affected by the flooding till, till way after I met him. His goal wasn't to just create a sob story. He had the joy of the Lord. I mean, he, he would even tell us, yeah, uh, right after class, which our class, uh, there was a four-hour time difference between here and Ghana, only four hours. Uh, but we would be there from about 8 o'clock or 8.30 to 4 o'clock. Um, he, he would take his dirt bike. He would be like, yeah, 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 I, I go home and I take a quick nap uh, because I need to, go to, um, I need to go to work from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock. I work with, with uh, rubber trees. They're, they're, they're everywhere in Ghana. He says, so I cut down the rubber trees and we get the liquid out of the rubber trees um, and then we, we ship it out. That, that's a big thing in Ghana. So he was telling us how he does that from one to six and then he'll come here at, at eight. But despite having his house destroyed, uh, he works difficult hours. He pastors, Mike Rudolph had the opportunity to preach at his church, preaches in a, in a very small church similar to the one I showed you. The joy of the Lord was unmistakable. Man, what a rebuke to me. And then the last individual I'll show you is a fellow by the name Abdul. Uh, another, another guy that I tower over there. Um, Abdul actually didn't come to class until like Thursday afternoon. And, and the whole thing's done. We have a half-day Friday. And, uh, and he quickly signed up for his assignment. And I was like, well, he wasn't even here. Um, but in talking to Abdul, I said, I said uh, and Mike had kind of already told me some of his story. Uh, but I mentioned to Abdul, yeah, where were you this week? Uh, I noticed you just came th- uh, Thursday. He said, yeah, yeah, my, my mother was sick. And, and I couldn't go, uh, you know, I had to go to, to my mother. And, and as we continued talking... Uh, he, he shared with me how he was saved out of a Muslim family. And, and as he came to Christ, when he made that known, he, uh, his, he was disowned by his, by his family. So as time has gone on since he's been disowned, they've kind of warmed up to him a little bit to the, to the point where, kind of like, don't call us, we'll call you, um, if, if they want him to come, they will reach out to him, but otherwise he, he, he is to have no dealings with his family. So this was a big deal that he got a call that his mother was sick, so he had to go. So this is a young guy, and again is coming here to, 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 to be more grounded in God's word. He's been disowned from his family, doesn't have a Christian heritage, And this guy is going from place to place, village to village, sharing the gospel. And all of these churches are are, are starting to get planted. And, And he's going around as an ambassador for the gospel. Folks, this is Christianity. The Christianity we know in the United States, it's not the norm. In fact, it's not even to be desired. Those who sacrifice most. Those who are the most humbled to realize who they are in and of themselves apart from Christ. Those are the people God desires to use. And that doesn't mean that we have to somehow sell our homes and somehow be in poverty to be used by God. But what does Jesus say? Blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see God. And folks, one of the greatest lessons this week for me was to see the gospel at work and at work in very humble ways. Man, it would have been a lot more exciting to walk in and and I'm speaking to a thousand people and getting royal treatment and, and all of this nice stuff. To the flesh, that would have been really desirable, but that's not the way of the gospel. The way of the gospel is that the foolishness of this world is wisdom and power to God. And folks, we are called, as we go to the next slide, the whole theme of this passage. Oh, that's not the next slide. That's my class. Now we'll go to the next slide. The theme here is that we each have a part to play in the work of the gospel. Listen, stop glamorizing the work of the gospel. Stop thinking, God can't use me because I'm not way up here. You have seen visual pictures that God is using all sorts of different people in different ways. The servants of Christ are not an elite bunch. They are a bunch for what the gospel has done an elite work in. Amen? We each have a part to play in the work of the gospel.